What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode three of the Beyond the Ring podcast with myself, Kevin Wu, and my co-host, Mitch Islam. This week, we've just got a real treat for everybody. A good friend of the pod, and I think their personas speak for themselves. They've got quite the story to tell with everything that's been going on these last couple weeks and months. So let's just hop into it and throw it right over to Caitlin Hawaiik and John Luke Baker. So on this week's episode, we're super excited to have on Junior World Champions, 2018 Four Continents Champions, two-time U.S. bronze medalists, uh, Caitlin Hawaiik and John Luke Baker. Hey. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks for hopping on. Good to have you guys on. We're gonna have uh, we're gonna have some fun today with this episode. I know uh, lots of lots of skating fans are excited to hear from from Caitlin and John Luke, like uh, Kevin was saying off the top, to uh, seasoned veterans on on the ice dance scene. And um, uh, we're really excited to talk to them today. We're gonna we're gonna get a little bit of an insight as as to uh, who these two are, and um, we're excited to chat with them. So good morning, uh, Caitlin and John Luke. Good morning. Hello, Mitch. It's good to talk. Good to talk to you guys. And a little, little backstory: Caitlin and John, John Luke and I, uh, we we go way back. I guess you could say uh, Alexandra, my skating partner and, and my fiance. Uh, we moved to Michigan to train in 2012, and uh, a young ice dance team by the names of uh, Caitlin and John Luke were were starting their career off uh, hot and heavy as well, and. Um, so yeah, we've come full circle now. These these two are like we're saying stalwarts of uh, of the ice dance scene, and um, you know, two of the nicest people in the sport. I think you'd be hard pressed, Kevin, to find anybody that doesn't like these. Two. I, I definitely yeah, the, the personalities, <laughs> um, and and I don't know you guys as well. Maybe uh, you know, a couple times in passing here and there, but you guys have always been super i'll say charming but just really nice uh and uh i think approachable by all means and you guys are quite we'll say characters as far as personalities goes uh, (laughs) on the figure skating side which is great i mean i love i love seeing that side of um athletes and it just makes it more personable and i think that's definitely why so many fans will want to watch you can relate to you and just love you in general i will say though kevin if you actually get a chance to really get to know john luke he's not that uh, charming (laughs) <laughs> not at all no no <laughs> uh, well maybe one of these days when we can actually travel uh across the border i'll try and come up there you oh, go yes you need to make a visit up here i know i'm i'm dying to spend some time in uh in montreal in, in anything but the winter time because that's the only time i've been up there yeah. <laughs> definitely definitely nicer in the summer hundred percent. Most definitely. I can already feel the weather changing now, though, which is kind of giving me some uh, some ends in my pants, thinking that winter is on its way here. <laughs> Seasonal anxiety setting in, eh, Caitlin? Oh, most definitely. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's chills outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> talk a little bit, guys. Now we're talking about Montreal here, but I know we had this global pandemic that kind of uh, took everybody by shock. Uh, late in March this year. So talk a little bit about um, what uh, what happened to Caitlin and John Luke when uh, when pandemic hit. Uh, well, it was actually quite an eventful couple months for us right at the beginning and in, in the thick of uh, when COVID was really prominent. I mean, it still is. But um, back in March, after it was actually only a few days after we got the announcement that World Championships was going to be canceled, um, John Luke and I actually made the decision upon talking with uh, our federation and our families and just kind of our support team that uh, just for reasons of the borders going to be closing uh, within a few days, we decided to kind of pack up for an immediate, like a short term amount of time and go back to my parents' house in Buffalo, New York. Um, Just because at that point we had known that uh, rinks, I mean, pretty much everything was closing. And um, I think for us, it was just a more of a strategic move for uh, prioritizing our health. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so we spent about three months in Buffalo with my family, which it was an adjustment for both of us just because I mean, not only had John Luke never lived in my home and then I hadn't been home living at home since I was 13 and then we'd never lived with each other throughout our 
nine year career. So it was an adjustment, but um, it really, you know, we made the best of it and um, we were able to stay really connected to our team here in Montreal, which was super helpful. They kind of created this amazing program of Zoom classes. It was almost like a school schedule. We had like two to three classes a day at certain times that we would log into and just participate in. So it helped us stay connected to our team here and also have some semblance of a schedule like what we would usually have if we were training in a normal season. So yeah, that's kind of what we had been up to. And then we were able to work alongside of kind of our federation with the help of the Canadian Federation and also just be able to talk with people at the border and they were able to help us get back up to Montreal once we heard of rinks opening back here. And we've been back here for about two months now. Great, man. I know how important it is, um, you know, just being a coach now and with my own students, just keeping everybody engaged through through the lockdown, whether it's on Zoom or phone calls or what have you, and just kind of setting up a schedule, like you said, Caitlin, just, you know, to give people a semblance of uh, normalcy because we know as athletes how, uh, how much of, you know we're we're creatures of habit, so I think that was that was really important to them that you guys stayed engaged. I I don't envy you, however, for having to entertain John Luke for three months. I uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> how you, how, um, but yeah. uh, no, that's great, and and it sounds like uh, you guys dealt with this, you know, in a smart way and a responsible way, and and you're back uh, you're back at it now. So, John Luke, maybe you can talk a little bit about that. You 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 guys get back to Montreal and and you get back on the ice, and you know there's. A little bit of that honeymoon phase where, where everyone's excited um, just to be in their skates again and skating uh, alongside their partners. And um, then maybe a little bit of reality sets in. It's like, okay, what's our competition schedule here? So can, can you maybe uh, talk a little bit about that, John Luke, just how it's been uh, staying you know, on track and motivated um, when there's still so many question marks with uh, return to events? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, like, a big thing for both Caitlin and I, uh, we were extremely lucky, actually, when we were in Buffalo. We had the opportunity after about a month, uh, we ended up getting private ice uh, in a facility in New York. So, we actually were able to skate for about six weeks. Um, and we, in that time, I think the last two weeks, we started creating our this year's free dance on Zoom with Marie France, which was, like, a really cool different experience as we choreographed it she was in her living room uh while her house is under construction and we were on the ice <laughs> in a different different country essentially right um so that was really uh, a really cool experience for us because we in the six weeks that we did skate four of them we skated this completely by ourselves and it was really cool to have time to experiment and you know not feel the pressure of having to get ready for an event or also remembering why we skate you know i mean i think we get in such a tight routine from going from competition all the way to world and then we have a two-week break and then it's all right so what are we doing again and then we have like a one-week vacation somewhere in there and then it's back to training again stroking exercises and training so um it was really cool for us to refine our purpose uh meaning by that is you know, being stuck in a routine sometimes is really nice, but also you get stuck in the routine and it can become stale. So we really had right. a cool opportunity uh, to create together. And um, we're both very creative people. So it was really, really cool to be a part, have this process be with Marie France. We came with so many ideas of just being able to play in silence. Um, it was really cool. And getting back on the ice in Montreal, I mean, for both of us, once we crossed the border, we had a two-week mandatory quarantine, um, so we couldn't leave the house. But after that, I know that myself, I was very nervous to show Marie France this free dance we made online just to see if, like, it was something she liked. And it turned out she really liked it, um, and it feels really cool. So for us, this time is very different um, as it is for everybody, but we've been like really focused on finding our purpose and the reason we're skating. Um, and it's been really exciting just to see how people have grown and how we have grown as athletes, uh, leading into events, you know, we don't really know what they are. We're, we're lucky that our federation actually has set up, um, a couple online events, uh, that include prize money, very much like a grand prix style circuit, but just for us skaters to where we'll be sending in, uh, online submission 
the videos like with a proctor watching per se so we can't re re video uh resubmit the same video essentially we can only record it once just like a competition so it's like a university um, exam but for figure skating exactly, exactly like that yeah. so we actually have that coming up in three weeks now um and there's like two submission dates so we'll be doing like kind of a mock competition which then they'll send that video to like a judging panel and a technical panel and then there's going to be like a full point scoring system which then turns into like uh, a point uh, prize money system which is i mean a really cool incentive for us and i really appreciate our federation getting something like that set up because it really gives us the opportunity to stay on track as we would be training for a senior b an autumn classic or a international classic in salt lake whether it be a normal year or not. It's, uh, it's interesting, uh, all, the, all the different things the federations are trying to do to, to keep these athletes, uh, you know, on track. And it sounds like um, you guys have a great plan and, and U.S. figure skating is, is doing great things to make sure their athletes are, are staying, like I said, on track and, and giving us, uh, you know, sort of the, the light at the end of that tunnel, so to speak, uh, in terms of goals that we're, we're setting for ourselves. So let's talk a little bit more about uh, Montreal, guys. Um, you guys, uh, so you team up uh, 2012. By by 2014, you guys are the junior world champs, training out of Michigan. Um, I think right around the same time, uh, Alex and I um, decided to to move camps to to Montreal. Um, you guys did the same thing. So so what's what's that transformation been like, and and what can you guys um, you know say about the program um, running out of Montreal right now with Mary Thompson, Patrice, and Roma? Really the you know, the Mecca of ice dance uh, uh, right now? Yeah, you know, I think both of us were super encouraged to move to Montreal because we felt like it was in terms of the the environment and having those top teams there, it's what we needed to kind of push ourselves to the next level. Um, but I also think that something that we were a little bit apprehensive of when before we even moved was like you said, just knowing how many top teams were there. Um, and we were so pleasantly surprised to realize that, like, for us, I mean, I can't speak for other teams, but for us, when we moved to Montreal, we really noticed that each each team is treated as an equal, and we really have felt like they look to build each skater as their individual best self rather than kind of creating this intense competitive environment. So it's been such a nice transition for us to, I mean, kind of get back to what we originally had when we first teamed up. And like, I'm sure you can speak to this, Mitch, when we first all were skating in Michigan, there was such a, a close family and a very positive competitive environment that really pushed all of the skaters prior to like the Absolutely. 2014 Sochi time. And and then for, a, like, for several years, kind of um, post-Sochi leading into uh, Pyeongchang, uh, there was, there definitely was that lacking for us. So moving to Montreal really fostered that great environment to train in again, which has been incredibly helpful for not only like a competitive skating environment, but just for like personal lives in general as well. I think we both feel like our since moving to Montreal, we found many other things, both living in a city and just kind of with being able to pick up different hobbies and things like that. So moving to Montreal has kind of been like a growth as a person for both of us versus not only just the skaters. Yeah, I think it's... it's right, and it's, it's... Go ahead. Sorry, John, Luke, go ahead. No, that was me. Oh, that wasn't me. Nice try. Oh, go ahead, Kevin, sorry. Good thing we both have amazing voices, though. <laughs> uh, no, I just... I, it's, it is really cool to see how you guys, uh, as a family you know, are all so close, whether it be at competitions or in training and you're always, you know, they're cheering each other on and, and kind of motivating each other, which it is tough, right? When you have that caliber of athletes all grouped into one, and we always joke about it, even, you know, with single skating in the U S you have some, some of these, um, training grounds that are meccas, whether for pairs, singles or whatever. And like, does that get competitive? Does that get in the way? And you guys have seemed to find, you seem to have found a way to kind of make it work and mesh together, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know a big thing for both Caitlin and I, like, and she had mentioned, I mean, 
I, I mean, Mitch can tell you about it. Like, he used to yell before every single run-through. He's like, here we go, Tiger! Like, he would yell <laughs> so loud. Or, like, in a run-through, he would see me gasp out of my mind. Breathe, baby! And he would yell, breathe, baby, coming out of corners when you knew I'd be tired. And, you know, they moved, I think, two years or three years before we decided to move. And really, it was like, a, I mean, ironic that we're talking right now, but, like, it was a really big part when they moved. Uh, it really felt like a big part of the camp in Michigan left. And it, we worked really well in Michigan, but ever since that moment, we were really missing that big team environment that we harnessed so much. And having that um, in Montreal, it's different, but it's still really nice. I mean, we are all really supportive of each other and we're very competitive with one another. Uh, everybody comes into the rink and wants to win, uh, which is really cool, but it still has that that environment of like everybody wants everybody to do the best they can and then at the end of the day who, who does the best wins yeah and just to to share with our listeners today i had to uh you know sit john luke down um before we got on the call today and just you know remind him to breathe baby and and tell him you can do this tiger um no but you're right you're alluding to there the training environment in michigan was was something special and i i know that that's um an environment that Mary Fonse Patrice and, and Romain have fostered in, in Montreal. And it, it really is key, isn't it, guys? Like the you wanna you wanna be training around people that, that wanna win and you see that motivation and it it motivates you and um but uh you know having each other's back and supporting each other and knowing that you're all kind of going through this journey together is is also very important and, and that support is something that uh makes it a little bit easier to get out of bed in the morning, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So guys, let's transition a little bit. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the the other side of life, the non-skating side of life. We're we're as you guys were alluding to earlier, we're we're very much uh, in the routine all the time, and sometimes we forget, um, you know, um, there's there's other things in life, and so maybe you guys can talk a little bit about that. Um, what what do you guys like to do to to keep your minds off skating and and hit the refresh button and um, keep things fresh? Uh, you know, for myself, uh, I mean, in Michigan too, like I was a big gamer. Uh, I love to spend my free time playing some video games. Uh, it just is a great way for me to stay in contact with my old friends. Like now that we're not in Michigan, uh, a lot of, a lot of us all have moved over the U S even internationally across the world. So it's really cool for me to keep in touch with my friends that way. Um, I also like to spend a lot of time just outside. Uh, away from an ice rink. I mean, it's so nice being in the ice rink, but also being in a big city. Obviously, right now, it's a different kind of setting just with the current situation of this pandemic. But at the same time, I mean, it's so nice to be outside and just uh, connect with nature and whatnot. Yeah, and um, I think for myself, I I like to keep myself busy and I really like to have... uh, like a lot of balance outside of skating so uh my studies and my education has always been something right from the get-go that i've wanted to continue to pursue i only do it part-time because for myself i like to really dive into what i'm studying and not just skim the surface so i've never taken more than i think i can uh handle just because i want to be able to really invest in the classes that i'm taking so I'm a part-time student, and um, right now I actually, when I moved to Montreal, I transferred over to Penn State University, and they oh, cool. offer a really, yeah, and they offer a really great program that um, I applied to the school like any other student, so I could technically go to the main campus, um, but right now I'm doing it through an online program called World Campus. Um, which has been great because the previous university that I was going to in Michigan, while they offered some online courses, it wasn't a fully online program. So I started kind of running out of options towards my degree that would kind of fulfill the requirements of what I still needed. And this option, everything's available online for me to take. So I'm working towards my degree. What are you majoring in, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I'm majoring in psychology right now. Um, and I'm not exactly sure the direction that I want to go with that, but I do know that I have a particular interest in the neuroscience, neuropsychology side of it. Um, the brain has always been something super fascinating to me. 
And initially with my studies, I thought that the route of bio, like biomedical studies and neuroscience was the route that I wanted to go. But then kind of through studying, I realized after taking a couple general psychology classes that I really additionally liked the um, the personal connection that you have with psychology, interacting with people, understanding how different people's brains work and think. So uh, the psychological side of uh, neuroscience really interested in me, me as well. So that's what I'm studying right now. I don't really know exactly what I would want to do with the degree once I'm once I've finished it, but uh, I can figure that out down the line. And Caitlin, talk a little bit about, I mean, you know, you, you, you mentioned you're, you're only kind of biting off what you feel like you can choose, so to speak. Um, you, you're only doing what you think you can handle. But being a student and, and being a full-time elite-level athlete, it's, it's not easy. It's, it's, it's a tough balance. What is, it, what is it that kept you with, with your studies? What, what, what is it that um, made you say, okay, I, I want to stay in school while I'm pursuing my athletic dreams? Why is that important? I think at nature, I'm, I'm an intellect. I really enjoy learning and feeling like I'm exploring something new or finding out something that I didn't know in the first place. So for me, it wasn't like a requirement or a chore, but it was more of an opportunity. I, I enjoy feeling like I'm growing my bank of knowledge. And um, and also for me, too, like I know that um, at some point my um, my professional competitive career or I should say my amateur competitive career will be will be done. I mean, at, we won't compete forever. So I think knowing that I'm kind of chipping away at it slowly, even if it's slowly, that it just gives me a little bit of a head start for whatever I choose to do once I'm done competing. Um, but yeah, I think the main thing for me is that I really enjoy learning. So it's just, it kind of satisfies, I have the physical and emotional side in figure skating and it is intellectual as well, don't get me wrong. Um, but I'd say the main points of figure skating, you really tap into the physicality of the sport and the emotional um, storytelling art of the sport. So having my studies kind of satisfies the whole uh, full circle, getting the intellectual side of life as well. Very cool. That's commendable, Caitlin, because like I said, I know uh, from personal experience that, um, you know, the balance is, is tough, but uh, it's definitely giving you fantastic life skills to move forward with um very cool so is there is there a minor um program for disc jockeying or, or what's the situation there <laughs> the, the cat's out of well, the bag actually, dj dj yeah. keha who is dj keha you can't hide from that you can't hide from the personality there <laughs> it's, it's definitely so funny because most people that know me i'm like it's not that I I don't have a personality, but I can kind of be an introvert at times. And then um, when I tell them that I'm a, that I DJ, they're like, "No way! Like, there's no way you DJ." And I'm like, "Yeah." And it's funny. I uh, I started to get interested in music mixing just because of um, wanting to be able to be a little bit more efficient at the beginning of our seasons when we were creating new programs. There was, I mean, and you know, Mitch, how many times would we send? Uh, a five word email to Hugo asking for like a five second change because of the choreography that we did that certain day. And it yep. just adds up where there's little tiny changes that you always have to make throughout the process of creating new programs. So I was curious just to see if I could kind of learn to do the raw unfinished edits on my own to kind of uh, facilitate speeding up that process. And I invested in like a, a software and a controller and I just started kind of learning the ropes of editing and mixing music and then from there I just started to try to explore more of what I could do with that and I started mixing more popular music and I've always been a I've had a big passion for music it's probably one of my greatest passions outside of skating so I just started playing around with it and putting my mixes up on SoundCloud that I would create and then I did that for several years and I kind of felt like I got to a certain point where I'm happy to keep putting out my mixes, but I wanted to push myself to kind of do something else with it. So I started performing live this year and it's been a really fun challenge. 
have you cut any music for yourselves yet as far as like a full program goes or are you still using like Hugo with, with it all? We use Hugo, but a lot of the time Hugo and I collaborate. So I will like, we'll be in discussion with our coaches and they'll explain to me like, I kind of want it like this or like we need uh, this amount of music for this section and need this part a little bit shorter or this transition a little bit different. So I, um, I kind of, I'm like more of the rough draft person and then I'll send it to Hugo and there's still things that I don't know in terms of like uh, sound balancing and all of the kind of professional quality of the music that he does. So that's why we kind of, that's where I really lean into Hugo and use his expertise to help us. But it's fun to be collaborating with him. And I think he really appreciates it as well from a, uh, just from a standpoint of him doing his work, it's, it's a little bit easier for him. But to answer your question, I do think at some point I would like to try uh, to see if I could do more of a Keha original cut for our music. It would be really cool to be able to say like, yeah, I created this music or something. Or even if it was like a song down the line that I remixed and we used part of that in a in a program I think that would be a really cool thing to say I was able to do at one point in my career. Yeah, that's awesome, Kate. And I to to tie it back to our days in Michigan, I knew I knew right away, like I was saying earlier, you know, 15, 16-year-old Caitlin, I would uh, come on the ice and throw on the iPod and put on a playlist. And, you know, it was right around the time of electronic dance music getting really big. And you would always pop over to me and say, what's what's the name of this song? I, I need to download this. And so you've, you've always kind of had that, that, you know, that intellectual interest in, in music and, and vibes and beats. And so it's really cool that you're, you're bringing that passion into, into the disc jockey world. And I would imagine, Caitlin, now that you're doing uh, these, you know, these live performances, is there parallels between putting on a performance behind the, the, behind the discs and, and lacing up the skates and putting on a performance on the ice? Absolutely. You know, I had to have some real convincing from friends to put myself out there to do it in the first place. Because I would equate um, like the mixes that I was putting out on SoundCloud kind of like practicing every day. You could adjust, you could redo it, you could kind of edit it enough to make it perfect in the sense that it's what you wanted. And then I post it somewhere. Um, but it's not the same thing as doing something real time. So that at first was really daunting to me and I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it. And then I had a lot of really good friends that would just encourage me to like, you got to put yourself out there. So uh, ironically, the first kind of live set I did was over Zoom. And I put out like a little performance for a group of like 30 friends and some were in Canada, some were in California and some were like kind of just all over the place. And uh, it was a fun way to connect while we were all in quarantine. And then when I got back to Montreal more recently, I did a, like a, well, I did a live set for a fashion show when I was still in Buffalo. And then when I came back to Montreal, I just did a, an afternoon set for a restaurant that I live close to. So it's been fun to kind of step into that world. And it's definitely nerve wracking. I got the butterfly in the same way as if I was getting on the ice for a competition. Love that, Kate. That's uh, that's so cool. And I'm uh, like I was saying, it's uh, it's awesome to see you kind of chasing your passions like that. And um, I might have to jump over to SoundCloud and, and take a little listen and have a have a dance party in my uh, in my living room here this morning. Um, no, that's awesome. <laughs> with and, uh, yeah, I was going to say with Alex and Fitz. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was just going to ask. Speaking of Fitzgerald, my puppy. Um, what, what everyone really wants to know is when you're off doing these, uh, sets, what happens with Mila? <laughs> well, luckily right now, my sets aren't too long. They're about two hour sets. So I, um, Mila's pretty self-sufficient on being home alone that amount of time. But, um, but yeah, my, Mila's great. It took a little adjusting for her to come back to the city when we came back from, uh, our time in Buffalo, just because I usually, my parents live in a really quiet residential area. And then in Montreal, I live in a super busy active area. So she's been a little bit territorial of me, I will say. She doesn't love it when other dogs come near us. So that's something that we're in the works on right now is 
getting her back into city life as a city dog. Um, but she's great. I love having a dog and I'm sure you can attest to this too. There's nothing better than coming home from a day of work and just like having that fuzzy ball of energy at the door as soon as you open the door. So excited to see you. And it just, it's like a big happiness provider for me in life. Yeah, there's, uh, there's nothing like it. It's funny. Fitzgerald was the same, you know, he grew up a city dog and he's, um, you know, used to passing people and other dogs. And then he'd spend a, a couple of weeks even back here in Barrie at um, a, a more quiet residence, like you said. And then um, when it's back to being in front of people, he's like a wild animal. So um, there's some benefits <laughs> to raising a dog in the city. They get uh, their manners are uh, a little more in check. Let's um, guys, let's finish up and, and jump back for a second. Um, we'll talk a little bit about how you guys got going in skating. Um, John Luke, I know, um, your situation is, uh, you know, very similar to, to my situation. You, you grew up with parents that uh, were very involved in skating at, at a high level, and, and then they transi- transitioned, excuse me, into the um, coaching side of things. So can you talk a little bit about what it was like growing up as uh, little John Luke Baker and um, how you got the skates laced up the first time and how your family was an influence on your uh, career? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Uh, like you said, very much like you, uh, both competitive parents, and then they go to coaching. You know, we moved to the U.S. when I was three and a half or four years old from England. And uh, then I wasn't in preschool even when we first moved. So I would just go to the rink with my parents every day. So basically, I was running around like they'd give me $1 a day, basically as a child to play video games at the rink. Uh, to keep me out of trouble, but that would I would burn through that in like eight minutes. So after that, I would just be running around the rink. So finally, my parents were like, "You need to put on these skates to burn energy on the ice," and I would just run around in circles on the ice. Um, <laughs> and honestly, I didn't love it at first. Uh, it was like kind of something just to do. Uh, I used to do taekwondo and hip hop and things like that. But then, when I think I was about seven years old or so. Um, my parents asked me if I wanted to do a show, like a skating show. And I was like in an all boys number. So I was seven years old in this number with the senior boys. So they must've been 17, 18 years old. And the only reason I could do it was because I would run on the ice and they thought it was cute. Cause I was like a mini me of all the bigger guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and basically I realized that everyone loved me in that number. And then I was like, wow, I liked, I liked this like I liked being that center of attention and like having the lights on me and you know being in that that performance style like with the those shoes are the skates and just being that center being that center of attention and like being able to see that you can move people uh you can make people smile or make people feel emotions with just movement without speaking um so ever since that moment I've just been absolutely addicted to the the performance side of of skating and just exploring exploring what your body can do it's it's been uh, a really cool adventure um yeah I, I was pretty resistant at the beginning i did not like it all i wanted to do was run <laughs> yeah there's that common tie that like i don't know it seems like everyone like didn't really like it at first and then it grew on them and we've heard that over and over it's pretty pretty crazy yeah well and you talk- uh, go, go for it go for it Mitch. no no go ahead go ahead uh, I was going to say, you know, I think that it, it's one of those things where, like, I love doing, like, really big team sports. I like playing baseball with my friends. I love doing gymnastics. I love doing taekwondo. And, like, I was this little black belt at seven years old and then trying to spar 12-year-olds, which were twice my height. So then my dad realized I probably shouldn't be doing that. Um, and that's when they put me more in the skating realm because I kept getting kicked in the head when I would go to competition. So... <laughs> <laughs> they're like maybe maybe let's try the whole figure skating thing and i did the just performing and skated on my own i did freestyle at first um but the the issue with me doing freestyle is that i would do like go to competition i would do my first jump like an axle or something and then i was like oh this, this is fun everyone's watching me and then improv the rest of the program and not do another <laughs> spin or jump i i the videos of me like jumping on the wall like you know how keegan does that skating and then like he jumps and slides on the wall like i would just in the middle of a competition go up to the judges and like start talking to them and like improv 
And my dad, <laughs> one day my mom's like, all right, you need to hold someone's hand to control you. You're just like all over the place. And then uh, ever since then, I've been holding the girl's hand. Uh, probably for the, probably for the it best. makes so much sense now. Honestly, yeah, I think so. <laughs> probably for the best. <clears throat> well, and I know, excuse me, I know um, uh, Kevin, before we got on the, the phone with you guys today, he was, he was like, okay, we got to ask them about, about their infamous show number. So draw the parallels, John Luke, between uh, you know that little ham of a of a five six year old, um, and and the parallels to you know being a twenty something now and and still having that same juice, that same energy to get out there and and put on a performance like your infamous show number. Because <laughs> you guys do those yourselves, right? Yeah, you, yeah. you choreograph those songs yeah. and come up we, with the ideas yourselves. We choreograph I mean, them ourselves. Yeah. Um, the show numbers. I mean, you know, I think it's we love competing and we love doing shows. I think that there's something with the, the show numbers, which makes it really special. Um, the, the competition is so memorable, um, but there's so many rules and guidelines now with what we have to do and have, have so many things to follow that. Yeah, it's an art form in itself, but I think that there's something so freeing in a show program that you can do really whatever you want. And usually, like, I'll, I'll have some sort of crazy idea and then look at Caitlin and she's like, I'm game. And then all of a sudden, she'll have, like, so many ideas to add on top of that. And then next thing you know, like, we'll be in the rink the next week and skating an extra session. And we'll both have, like, an AirPod in each ear. And we'll just be in the corner doing some weird stuff that people are like, oh, my gosh, what are they creating? And then we go to a competition and pretty much usually debut the first run through during the event yeah. of the show program, not the <laughs> free program or the show <laughs> Yeah, but it's really fun. And I think that this year, especially with like the kind of the unique situation we had um, doing our free dance on Zoom, that we were able to kind of incorporate that creativity that we've been able to show through choreographing our show programs that we had a little bit of that liberty to do that on the ice with our free dance as well this year, just because there's only you know, like being on Zoom, we have to be able to be quick and think of ideas based off of what Marie gave us. And it was a really cool experience to be able to, to kind of bring that show program creativity um, into uh, free dance. And it's kind of bounced off of what John Luke said on our show program. There's um, there's there's a freedom in being able to express whatever you want. Um, and also just because of the fact that I think so many people nowadays in your our competitive programs go for something more beautiful or more serious um, or more classical dancey. Um, it's so nice to be able to, in a show program, bring something different and move people through genuine joy and laughter. So being able to do programs like that, I think it's a big factor for us because we feel like uh, we get to give the audience like a little pause from whatever they have in their life and just be able to enjoy. Very have cool. I know. Like... Oh, sorry, God. No, have you felt like, you know, the last, I think the last couple of years, it seems like there's a lot more freedom of expression through the music. And this is for like, you know, your, your free dance and um, actually competing. Like, has that, have the programs changed and that you're, you're seeing a little more creativity and expression uh, of personal self versus like, uh, I, I, I mean, you are bound to certain guidelines, which kind of sometimes makes it more monotonous, but has it changed in the last couple of years? Just the evolution of it? Uh, yeah, I think, I think it has changed quite a bit. Um, maybe not for everybody, but, uh, when you get past the judgment of self-creation, um, as you were when you were a child, uh, you would just run around in the woods and you'd be pretending this elaborate story. Um, as you get older, you, especially in our sport, I think that there's so much judgment that we're put under and so much criticism on a daily basis. We, we literally pay people to tell us what we're not doing right. So we come into like a very protective state of what can work and what will work. Um, so I think that just over the years, allowing ourselves to break out of that state with just our awesome powers or just different things like the Swan Lake has really stepped us up into a place to where we built that confidence with our, even our disco program last year with our short program. I mean, if you were to ask us to do that four years before, it might've been a more of a challenge just due to the fact of 
we we didn't have that internal confidence being built. So I think that doing these show programs allows us to become even more free with the competitive programs. And I think the more free that we can be, we have the type of personality that can carry those type of things. So at the end of the day, when you're at a world championships and they're watching 20 free dances, if the, if the judges can walk away before they can walk into the event and be excited to see yours because it's going to be different than everyone else's, or they can walk away and be like, wow, like that was really, that was really cool. And not just heartfelt, but it was something that was really true to oneself. Um, I mean, Mitch, Mitch definitely can attest to this. I'm sure. I mean, Winning a competition feels amazing, but it doesn't feel as good as standing in the middle of a full arena when everyone's standing on their feet and you move them because you didn't speak. No one spoke for four minutes and everyone's standing on their feet, whether they're crying or smiling, that that feeling that you get and you can just look around is honestly like you, you can't buy that anywhere. Yeah, we want to win, but I think that having that ability to express ourselves in the show program has allowed ourselves to express ourselves even more in the free. So I think that over time, it's going to be even more. I think you're absolutely bang on. There's no feeling like that in the world, John Luke. Um, I know we're all, uh, we're all really excited to see what you guys continue to put out. And I know Kevin's extra excited um, for your next show number. He can't stop talking about them. Um, <laughs> let's, trans- let's transition real quick. Uh, Caitlin, let's talk about what it was like for, for little Caitlin growing up in uh, in Buffalo, your your mom skated, your your brothers played hockey at a high level. You'll correct me if I'm wrong, but um, you know what was it like having siblings on the ice with you, and how did how did your uh, childhood growing up in Buffalo shape uh, shape who you are today as a skater? Well, I mean, I think the main thing for me is, that, and you're completely correct by the way, my entire family lived in an ice rink <laughs> growing up. So I think that was the main thing, honestly, is just that it was kind of. Um, what do they say, nature versus nurture, but like both my nature and my nurture were built in an ice rink. So uh, it's just kind of where I lived um, growing up. And I think because of that and being constantly surrounded in that environment, it just made me love what I do, love skating so much. And it felt like a really, really great place for me to be able to grow. Uh, I think one of my like, core values as a person is feeling like I'm always growing and working to improve myself. So when I was younger, without even realizing it, I think that figure skating and being in an ice rink allowed me to find that thing to always grow and work on. Um, But there were challenges, especially just like you said, growing up with two brothers that played hockey, that was very common for people in Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo is a very hockey-based ice sport area and figure skating doesn't always get the same I don't know if equality is the right word but you didn't always get the best access to ice and it wasn't as popular as a sport at least competitively so I kind of realized pretty early on as I started to know that compared to other people that I trained with I wanted to take it more seriously as a competitive career that I would need to move away and um, and that's when I moved to Michigan when I was 13. I was really young when I moved and I was really fortunate based off of, I think because of both of my brothers playing sport and knowing how important it was to them that they really respected my choice to pursue figure skating and my parents have always been so supportive of whatever their kids want to do and they really kind of sacrificed a lot to allow me to move to Michigan to further my career. Um, So, yeah, I'd say that a lot of my growing up was just being with a good family environment that supported me a lot. I remember, you know, back in the day, your mom was was around a fair amount, but, you know, largely you're still, uh, you know, on your own as as a very young young skater. What, What was that like? Um, kind of growing up at such a young age out of uh, you know, a family home situation and what uh, kind of adjustments did you have to make to, to handle that? Well, like you said, it was one of my parents was usually around with me all the time uh, when I was particularly young in the first several years of moving to Michigan. They would kind of alternate weeks, so one of them was always with me. Um, but there were some... There were some challenges to moving away when I was younger, just in the sense that I kind of uprooted my social circle um, 
to move to a new environment. And then I pretty much did all of my middle end of middle school and all of high school online. So I was fortunate in the sense that at the time I moved, there was a really strong family environment, like we mentioned earlier in Michigan. Um, and for sure, you and Alex and Caitlin and Andrew, and uh, there were a lot of many people that we trained with that was a great social circle. But the majority of my friends when I first moved to Michigan were significantly older than I was, like probably five or more years older than me. So there was always a little bit of that like normalcy missing in terms of my social life. Um, and that was hard at times, especially when we started to get older and uh, there were certain things that I kind of couldn't partake in because of age limits. And But I think that's honestly why I found a lot of hobbies outside of skating is because I, like, I wasn't going to just sit back and just kind of sulk in the fact that my friend circle was older than I was. So I found a lot of things to keep me busy and those grew into hobbies and passions. And I think that's how I kind of developed through my time in Michigan but it's not to say that I didn't have a great social circle it was just different than the normal 14 excuse me 14 15 16 year old right and it is uh it is one of the incredible things about being uh you know a really high level skater at such a young age you might be thrust into situations like that where you're around people that are several years older than you but um yeah, I know. Thinking back, it's just uh, it's incredible to me how much of a blur all of this is. You guys were were that young team, and and as I was saying <laughs> off the top, now you're those ice dance stalwarts. So it's it's really incredible um, to have watched you guys um, develop the way you did and and take your career where where you guys have. It's it's honestly um, quite incredible. Um, all right, so before we let you guys go, we got to talk about Salad Boy a little bit, John Luke. <laughs> so for for everyone listening today john luke is an absolute beast he is a specimen i don't know as a 19 18 19 year old john luke in michigan i was in my early 20s and i used to absolutely be in awe at what you could fit inside your body um <laughs> you ate so much i'll give you a little story so we're we're uh we're joining for a, for a dinner get together, a bunch of the uh, ice dancers at, at DSC. And I get a photograph uh, as I'm sitting there waiting for everybody to gather. And it's from John Luke and he's uh, in the parking lot. He's stopped at McDonald's on his way to the restaurant because he couldn't quite wait uh, for his entree to come at the restaurant. So he had a couple double cheeseburgers. <laughs> then he sat down he had his, I think he, I, I remember you having a big bowl of pasta or something like that. And yeah. then he's cleaning up everybody's, you know, fries that they didn't eat with their sandwich or whatever. And it, it was absolutely shocking what you could fit in your body. And I would tell stories about, you know, the illustrious salads that Alex would make for dinner and how I ate a lot of vegetables and salads. And you couldn't comprehend that, that eating salads could fuel what we needed to, to be doing on the ice. So has has that come full circle a little bit, John Luke? Are you are you still laughing at me about the salads, or are we partaking in a little salad eating ourselves nowadays? Oh man, I have like a salad a day now. It has changed immensely. <laughs> I remember I remember when I first moved there, man. My my diet was like Dino Nuggets and oatmeal and PBJs. <laughs> I told you this was gonna catch up to you, boy. Yo, unreal. <laughs> So like, and then I remember us having a conversation. It was actually Olympic year, and you're like, you should, dude, you should really try eggs. And I'm like, nah, nah. <laughs> and then, and then I tried eggs and we won Junior Worlds. So like, I was like, wow, Mitch, Mitch helped me win Junior Worlds with those eggs. I, I was like, I don't want to take all the credit, but you eating eggs is a huge <laughs> part of that world title. Huge part, huge part. Um, so you know, <laughs> it's, it's honestly crazy. Uh, yeah, I can eat a lot, uh, but I have significantly changed my diet even being in montreal uh just throughout the years um like avocados are great uh those are unreal um <laughs> i put them on everything in everything but uh you know i'm like particularly uh actually no significantly more aware of the diet that i have now um just uh just the benefits i mean i'm 20 27 in two months which is weird to say uh but in one month, in one month, Caitlin just corrected me. Um, so thank you. Uh, but yeah, 27 in one month. And like, you know, I used to make fun of you. Like I'd have a whole pizza 
for dinner and come in and bust out like three free dances or whatever and be like, I'm fine. And you're like, that will absolutely catch up to you. And now if I eat like a hamburger instead of fish for dinner, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't think I'm going to wake up. Um, and it's, it's honestly surreal the impact that, um, that well diet has but also that you have made just in terms of uh on my career like uh i think that it's uh been extremely i've been really lucky just to have you as a role model and you know uh help guide me very at a very early age um and warn me <laughs> about things like eat more salads and less garbage <laughs> uh john luke my head's gonna explode yeah, we don't we don't need to pump mitch anymore we don't need to pump mitch. yeah come on i gotta i gotta fit my head out the front door later i got stuff to do uh, no but it's uh it, yeah no but it is uh it is cool to see the like i said i have a kind of a unique uh perspective on your guys's career and just watching you guys develop as as athletes and as people has been um really cool to see and um i know i speak for for kevin and myself when uh when we say thank you very much for for coming on and sharing a little bit of uh your stories um with us and with with our listeners and we're hoping uh like we said off the top that people uh get a little bit of an idea of, of who you guys are and all the cool things that you dabble in and, and bring to the table and the perspectives that you have uh as a result and um yeah i know we're all really excited to see what uh Caitlin and John Luke uh, do moving into the future. Uh, maybe you guys can just uh, finish by chatting a little bit about. Um, uh, I've got I've got group. one request. I've got one yeah. request and only one. I'm nervous. K Hot, you got to tell a dad joke. Oh <laughs> God! Usually I have to Pressure. plan these. Um. Okay. Let me focus this. Um. I feel like I've already used this one. Um. But why did the scarecrow win an award? Why, Caitlin? Because he was outstanding in his field. <laughs> Every uh, time. I, oh, usually, forced, I, usually, you I know forced my laugh. I'm going to be honest. You, you, <laughs> should, you, should ask her to, you should ask to hear the one that she made about Patrice. Oh, yeah. This is actually pretty good. I she wants say. to do this to him. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm, I I'm ready. I think he would find it very funny. What is Patrice's favorite kind of pasta? What? Lasagna. I find that um, so funny. I don't yeah. think anybody else does, but <laughs> it's come a long way. <laughs> well, we appreciate the effort. A for effort, Caitlin. A for effort, hundred <laughs> percent. Thank you. Oh, it's been so nice catching up with you guys. Yeah, thank you guys for having us. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Yay! Yay! As always, thank you everybody for taking the time to listen. I hope you guys enjoyed everything that we had to talk about today. If you have any suggestions, tips, or guests that you would like to see, I would love to see some feedback in the comment section or even on our IG, BTR underscore pod. Please leave us a review, five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Everything helps. So appreciate everybody for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you next week.